Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. 2 Timothy chapter number 4, last chapter, it's a very impressive one. The Bible says in verse number one, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. This is the last charge here in this chapter. He's being summoned as a minister of the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Let's get Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 3. Romans 14. And then 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. Romans 14, let's do verse number 9. The Bible says, For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God so that every one of us shall give account of himself to God. I charge thee, he's being charged before God. We're going to give an account to God whether we're doing things for him or not for him. And now go over to 1 Corinthians. We'll see something else here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. Fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Why? First Corinthians 3 answers this question. Why do we do work for God? Well, our gratitude and our love for him, ultimately, right? Someone sacrificed for you, you feel compelled to want to live for them, but we'll have eternal rewards. We'll have eternal rewards. We do something, that motive is for God's glory. It has an eternal motive. We're rewarded by that. The stuff we do temporal down here, just nothing. Nothing. What matters most eternal uh, so we do receive rewards God's going to judge that second uh, Timothy chapter 2 verse chapter 4 verse number two now we kind of get into the meat of, of the chapter it says preach the word be instant in season out of season reprove rebuke exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. We can't forget about doctrine, but you're either going to hold fast, I'm going to hold fast, 
or we're going to lose sight. And this charge, Paul in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is charging Timothy, look, don't lose sight. You got to hold fast. Preach the word. That means always act according to the Scriptures. We can get derailed quite easily. People can make a career out of preaching politics, preaching sports, preaching opinions, preaching social agendas, preaching health, wealth, prosperity, all these, all these side trails that get us off of, hey, we want to know the Holy Scriptures. What does the Scripture say? I want to know what's going on in politics. But I got to be careful that I don't use the pulpit to preach politics. The Republican Party isn't my saving grace. Uh, if they're doing wrong, we should call it out. We are Christians. We're not Republicans, although we might be registered voting Republicans. We're Christians first. Our faith and hope is in Christ. Opinions. Health stuff. People get tied up in these things, um, social things that we do in our lives. Homeschool, Christian school, public school. Everybody has convictions about wherever their kid's going. <laughs> Who's right? Well, part of it is, who cares? Second part of it is, you, we should all be free to hold our convictions on why we homeschool our children or why we choose to send our children to Christian school or why kids go to public school. Why? Because that is family matters, individual convictions. It shouldn't become a doctrine of the church. You have to homeschool. Well, where's that in the Bible? It's in Deuteronomy. It's somewhere. You might have a principle, you might have an idea, and you might have an opinion that is very, very good. You just can't make it a doctrine of the church. Breastfeeding or non-breastfeeding. You're not doing it the natural way. That's fine, you're probably right. All those facts that you're giving me are probably right. It just can't be a doctrine of the church. We shouldn't have women dividing and having a corner of them. Oh, these are the natural ones and these are the unnatural ones. We should all be able to hold these convictions. We should all be able to hold these opinions even in disagreement and still function as a body. It shouldn't become church doctrine. We need to preach the word. That's the doctrine that we divide on. Why? Because the souls of men and women are perishing. Our only hope for salvation isn't whether or not we feed our kids organic food. It's not whether or not our kids were breastfed. It's not whether or not our kids were homeschooled. It's not whether or not any of these things that are temporal. It's whether or not they've trusted the God of glory. That's the most important thing. And that's where the division should come in, not on these other petty things. The gospel is found in the Word of God. It should be preached with all sincerity and without apology. Then the Bible says, be instant in season, out of season. 
in season or be instant. That's earnestly and urgently pressing. That's what it means to be instant. In season, out of season. You got a convenient time, you got an inconvenient time. In season, out of season. You've got an appointment, and then you've got to now make an appointment. In season, out of season. You have an opportunity that came up right on your lap, but now you kind of have to work or create an opportunity. In season, out of season. Then the Bible says, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And here we're getting the full scope of really what it's going to take. We're going to preach the word. All right. Here's what it's going to take. These things. Which includes patiently enduring stupidity. We're going to run into that. We're going to have to meet opposition with doctrine. We're going to have to do all that without getting discouraged, without becoming impatient, without losing control of our emotions so that that other person can get doctrine. As we show lost people the error of their ways. One of the greatest mistakes a fighter in the physical world can make is impatience. He pushes it too hard. And he gets impatient and he ends up defeating himself. And so it's the same in the spiritual battle. God's telling us, look, long-suffering, don't be discouraged, don't be irritated, and whatever you do, don't abandon your efforts. If you do, you and I risk the divine opportunity that God would put in front of us. Physical, spiritual, we can see Hopefully a little bit of connection there. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap, them, heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Let's look at physical versus spiritual. Physically speaking, Americans today are more overweight they're more prone to the risk of heart attack. They're more prone to the risk of cancer. They have more risk of clog arteries than they ever would be. A lot of that has to do is they just won't endure the sound advice that their doctor gives them, their nutritionist gives them, their best friend gives them, their kind neighbor that grows fresh vegetables for them. They just won't listen to anybody. They won't endure it. It just can't, it doesn't sit right with them. One side, they just won't discipline themselves to eat better, eat healthier, eat less, or exercise any type of restraint and control. And it's the same parallel in the spiritual world. People just won't endure sound doctrine. The health-saving benefits of the gospel of Jesus Christ and of the truths that are in his Bible, they just... People aren't standing for it. They don't want to endure it. And it's in the church. They won't endure it. And here's why. We saw earlier uh, in, 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 in Timothy, concerning faith have made shipwreck. In chapter 2, we're told, hold fast the form of sound words. 
Uh, let's get over to Titus. Titus chapter 1, let's look at verse number 9. It says, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, they may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Uh, let's go down to chapter 2, verse 1. But speak thou things which become sound doctrine. All of these things are told. We see all of this as the culmination. Why? Because people won't endure it. So, and we see here in the book of Timothy, Paul's compelling him, look, this is what is going to happen. You can't make shipwreck. You've got to stay on course. People that can't endure it reveal to other Christians their heart and their opposition to God's word and to God's truth. People want truth today. I, I believe there's a group of people that want truth. And here's what I struggle with. <laughs> you, ask somebody, you ask the average Christian, what's Christian music? It's whatever their family listens to. <laughs> That's Christian music. And you, you, you're staying there. You ask somebody what it means to rightly divide the word of truth. It's however their family divides the word of truth. If you ask somebody, what is modest dress? They will tell you, modest dress is the way our family dresses. If you ask somebody about end times, eschatology, it's the way they, they see it. So what I struggle with is 90% of those people, I believe, want truth think they have truth, are searching for truth, and know all of the same verses that other people know. Yet, they can't endure each other. So what I struggle with is, is it more important to have all of your doctrine in order or to be able to endure your brothers and sisters in Christ who might disagree with you on some things? Now, I understand there's major things we have to all agree on, I guess my point is, are people looking for zoning in on and traveling, you know, the radar is, is honed in on finding the disagreement, finding where we're off, finding where we cross lines, and we might be better off just trying to endure a little bit of stuff. Give it some time to marinate. Give it some time to pray about. Think about if it's really worth the fight. I mean, what's a spiritual song? <laughs> I, I mean, somebody will come in here and they'll talk about rhythm and 2-4 beat. And when I try to run all the verses on rhythm and beat in the Bible, I can't find any. <laughs> But I know that music is emotional. I know all of that. I don't want to bring in worldly music. I don't want to bring in rock and roll. All of that stuff that we can all say, okay, let's agree on. It's just how much do we want to fight on something when the Bible says a spiritual song? Well, the words are about Jesus. I mean, they're singing to the Lord. Now you want me to judge their motive? I don't know how we're ever going to solve some of these problems. 
people come to church and they don't believe God's Word is preserved in the King James Bible. But they stay. I'm impressed by that guy. Here's an independent fundamental Baptist church that preaches on the authority of God's Word, isn't going to change it, alter it, correct it, and thinks all the modern versions are perversions of God's Word. Yet a guy will come and sit with a New American Standard or a New King James or a modern version and stay. Yet King James people with a Bible under their armpit and they're not moving from the book, they can't settle in anywhere. Whose heart is more in tune with God? I don't know. I don't know. I just know that isn't enduring have a bit to do with our heart attitude and our heart motive toward the Lord? I can't argue I want to be right. I can't argue that I want the truth. But I'm arguing that no one man or no one woman is ever going to see 100% eye to eye on every single issue in the Bible. It's an impossible task. And if we make that the goal, we're never going to be able to settle in anywhere. It's always going to be living room Baptist. It's always going to be that. But, on the other hand, we can't lose sight of the fact that God says they will not endure sound doctrine. Get 1 Timothy 4. And it's not like it just kind of popped up in, in, in the fourth chapter. Let's go back to 1 Timothy. Chapter 4, verse number 1, we see back there, he said, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meat, which God had created to be received with thanksgiving to them which believe and know the truth. Now, I... Someone comes in and they have this new diet, the Daniel diet or whatever diet that they book they bought at the bookstore, and they're not eating meat. Fine, don't eat meat. If that's a conviction that your family has, and you only eat soy and and you only eat vegetables, and you only have that conviction, I'm not going to try to talk you out of it. Fine, I'm not going to fight you on it. It's not a big deal. But if we have a church fellowship dinner and you sit down with the soy boy platter and I sit down with a big ribeye steak, it shouldn't divide the church. <laughs> it shouldn't. Have your conviction. I'll listen to your facts and why you're doing it and that's fine. We all should be able to do that. But as soon as I make a doctrine, you have to abstain from meat or you're not right with God. We're gone. We're gone. We're getting way, way off. And he says back in verse 1, some shall depart from the faith. And here's what some things that people will do. And it's just wrong. Uh, the, the Roman Catholic priests, you know what they're forbidden to do? 
marry. You know what they command people to do? Abstain from meats. You know what that is? A doctrine of devils. I don't want my kids growing up being unequally yoked to an unbeliever. I think that's a bad way to go. I think that's a poor choice. But when they get older, I'm going to advise them. I'm going to train them up in the meantime. I'm going to show them what the Bible says. But I, when they're adults, I can't forbid them to do something that they want to do. Or I'd be getting into doctrines of devils. Are you saying they should be allowed to? I'm not saying that. I don't think it's a good idea. I'm not going to allow to do them now. They're children. They're in my house. Blah, blah, blah. I can't forbid somebody to marry someone else. Or I cross the line of falling into doctrines of devils. People departing from the faith. People not being able to endure sound doctrine when you're not, that would not be sound doctrine. All right. Second Timothy chapter three. Let's get back there. Second Timothy chapter three, verse number one. We see it again. This also know that in the last days, perilous times shall come. So we saw it in first Timothy. We saw it in chapter three of second Timothy. And now where we are chapter four, it just didn't pop up. People say, well, we're in the last days. Well, what do you think Paul and Timothy were in? They're talking about it then. And what happens? What's the result? Verse number three. But after their own lusts, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Just like the average overweight American in the physical world they just heap to themselves piles and piles and piles of food. And it leads to their physical ruin. It's not good for them, but it doesn't matter. Because to them, in their mind, it's whatever satisfies, it's whatever gratifies, it's whatever pleasures them. Spiritually, the church is doing the same thing. Whatever's new, whatever's popular, it's after their own lusts. And it's not after God. It's whatever they do, whatever they think, whatever they... And it's not after God. I don't know what the answer is. I just know that someone has to preach. Someone has to give the doctrine. And that someone needs to preach sound doctrine and truth from God's Word. That I know. I also know that we're all to be like Bereans. And we are all to search the Scripture. And we're all supposed to see if these things are so. I know that. That doesn't mean that every time someone comes to church that the magnifying scope of interrogation is on the preacher. Who's to say you're the... And that doesn't mean the preacher comes with a magnifying glass and scopes out someone one Sunday and scopes out another person another Sunday and puts this interrogatory attitude toward them because they're being like a Berean and they want to really see if these things are so. I don't know, that doesn't just seem Christian. Because who's to say I have all the answers? 
You see, it goes both ways. I know I don't want to say something that isn't true. People say, well, you shouldn't read, get off the commentaries. You shouldn't read commentaries. You just need to read the Bible as you sit in church and listen to a man comment on the Bible. <laughs> as you tell me your comments on the Bible, you're giving commentary. Everybody gives commentary. Everybody comments on the Bible. So if Matthew Henry, what's the difference if it's me? John Calvin, what's the difference that it's you? Everybody comments on the Bible. doesn't matter if you publish it or don't publish it. We're all commentators. We have to see if these things are so. We have to have our guard up because we're in the last days, but isn't there a balance between... There just has to be some good churches, doesn't there? I mean, God said the gates of hell, hell shall not prevail against this church. So when people say there's no good churches, so we're just going to meet in our living room. All right, well, great. I'm not against you meeting in your living room, but God said the gates of hell won't prevail. There's got to be a gathering and an assembly of believers somewhere. Or the gates of hell would have prevailed against God in this church. Unless it's just you and God and that's it. There's got to be some balance to understanding that, yes, the church at large, they just don't want to endure sound doctrine. But also, when we step back, we should be able to endure one another as brothers and sisters in Christ if we have a little take different this way or a little take different that way. I mean, who wants a congregation with everybody that believes the same exact things that the pastor believes? Who wants that? I don't. It's creepy. It's creepy. My wife might like it, but... <laughs> no, no, no husband and wife sees eye to eye 100% on every single little thing. She saw the kids do something. I saw the kids do something. She analyzed it one way. I analyzed it another way. She handled it one way. I handled it another way. Who's right? Maybe they were both right. Who's wrong? Maybe they were both wrong. Or maybe one was right and one was wrong. And if that's the case, well, then let's just fight over it. No, let's just, oh, okay, well, it, it's not that big of a deal. We'll just go with it. I mean, there's a balance between when it needs to be a big eruption and when it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and Christians need to get to that place where, okay, look, we get it. The church at large won't endure sound doctrine. We get it. we got a battle ahead of us. But in the meantime, let's not destroy ourselves. I mean, it bugs me. They're, you got First Baptist, Second Baptist, and they all have, they're all as small as we are because nobody can get along. That bothers me. It should bother more people, but apparently it doesn't. People tell me, well, you shouldn't let it bother you. They're probably right. They're probably right. All right, where, where are we going to go now? We're going to be after God, not after our own lusts. If you have a strong-willed child, 
That child will want to win. It's just in his self-will to have to get his way, to have to win. He heaps after himself his own lusts. It's helping that child understand that just because you don't win and take control of a situation, it doesn't mean you're not a man, you're not a girl, you're not a, a woman. You, you're, there's that desire. And helping them not follow the flesh, the lust of their flesh, and follow after God, and to discern all that is one of the hardest things I've found. In my own life, I found it hard. How do I heap to myself to follow after God and not heap to myself to follow after my own lusts? And so it is with church in America. Thousands of people coming to church heaping after their own lusts. They have itching ears. They want to hear something that's going to make them feel good. Why do you have to feel good? There is that element of it. But then there's the element of it where everybody's so uptight, everybody's so frightened, everybody's so, it's not exactly the way I want to have it, I can't go. It's never going to be exactly the way you want it. That's why everybody's so split. And you get somebody that comes in and they're from the Mennonite church and they left the Mennonite church. You know what they want? Everything that they liked in the Mennonite church and all the things that they didn't and, and all the things that they didn't like in the Mennonite church, they don't want to have. Someone that would come from a Presbyterian or a Calvinistic church, you know what they want? If they've forsaken that theology, that system, they want to make sure they come to a church that doesn't teach that system of theology, Calvinism, but they want everything else that they liked about it. No church is non-denominational. <laughs> because as soon as they leave one and they come to another, I'm telling you, we just all want what we liked and we want to get rid of the stuff that we didn't like. And some of the stuff is worth leaving for. We all know that. Every Christian knows that. I'm not saying that we shouldn't. But isn't there a point where we just need to stop and say, are our hearts really following after God? And I don't know why it is, but I just admire the guy or the gal that comes to church that doesn't believe exactly the same way as the preacher believes, but he stays and he doesn't cause trouble and he gets involved and he loves on everybody. That convicts me. It seems like that's the heart that's after God rather than the heart that's after his own lust. I know there's a balance. I don't know exactly where the line is on that balance. So that's my commentary on it. Verse number four, the last verse we'll do this morning. The Bible says, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. This is the book, the chapter, and the key verse of our times. The church will turn their ears from the truth. Now go back to chapter one, I believe it is. Let's look at this real quick. 
Look at this. Look at the buildup. 115, this thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. You got a whole region turning away from the truth. <laughs> uh, go over to 2.17. Look at this. 2.17. Look at the buildup in chapter 2. And their word will eat as doth a canker. The lifeblood of the church, truth, it's just taken away like a canker. People don't want truth. They're just going to turn. You got a whole region turning away. You got these two fellows, Hymenaeus and Philetus, leading a crowd, leading people, trying to gain a following. And it's like a canker. And look over to chapter 3. Look at verse 8. We see two other folks pop up. Janus and Jambres withstood Moses. So do these also resist the truth. An example of two people just actively and purposefully just withstanding truth. Just don't want it. It says, if their own lusts are, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. It's the big disgrace of modern day churchianity. People sitting in pews listening to fables. Santa Claus is coming to town. No, he's not. The Easter bunny, oh, Let's go hide eggs. Jesus Christ rose from the dead and the best that the church has is let's have an egg hunt. <laughs> we have a risen Savior. I know. Oh, I know. We can get him in. We'll just put a big billboard on Highway 11 and say, come on in for movie night. And the movie will have blasphemy in it. The movie will have half-naked girls, flirt flirtation scenes, people kissing that aren't married, and just fill in the blank of all the stuff that we would preach against on Sunday and the Bible's against. But yet, these last days, these churches want to bring people in with movies. Isn't the Word of God sufficient anymore? Our hearts are following after our own lusts rather than our hearts following after God. Who's going to get excited and say, oh, they're going to talk about the Bible. We're going to hear some exciting stories about the Bible. Why does the bait have to be a movie or some type of entertainment? And then we'll slip in a few truths about Jesus. You know, He loves you. And we'll get their emotions up and we'll ask for a decision. Why does Jesus have to be slipped in like that? Why can't He be the main draw? Why can't the main draw be you get to hear about the Lord of glory. You get to hear about the Savior who died for your sins. You get to hear about the greatest man that ever lived that has the greatest gift ever given. And at the end, how come we can't slip in a little pizza and have fun and fellowship? Why can't we do it that way? Because people heap after their own lusts instead of their hearts following after God. The big disgrace of modern day churchianity. Truth is relative. Just matters how you feel. I'm glad that I'm not living that way because I feel different every day. <laughs> A lot of it depends on what hurts. A lot of it depends on which one of the kids woke me up. A lot of it depends on... A lot. I mean, people feel different every day and they feel different throughout the day. Catch me on a high after breakfast, after I've had a cup of coffee and a bowl of breakfast. 
There's a big difference on how I feel in just an hour. I don't want to go by people's feelings. We're always going to be trying to hit at curveballs. But truth isn't relative. Well, your church is full of hate. No, it's not. It's just that you don't love the truth. So when we give you the truth, you hate the truth. But what's the balance? We shouldn't have hateful attitudes. We shouldn't have hateful hearts. It's just getting that balanced out. Unfortunately, the modern day church, Bible preaching's out, studying God's word, going through cross references. Let's just have a sharing session. Let's relate. Let's engage. I'm all for sharing. <laughs> I'm all for relating. I'm all for engaging. But not at the expense of getting rid of good doctrine and good Bible teaching. My wife says I'm good at relating. I've gotten better over the years. <laughs> now, I get why some Christians stay at home. And I'll admit, there was a season in my life where I stayed at home and did church at home. And I'm not going to go down and get into all that, but I am just saying that to say I kind of get it. People are fed up. They're sick and tired. Modern day church has just gone so, it's just nowhere on par with God. I get it. I get it. There's got to be a church that you can find that shares some common beliefs that you can rally around and then still function on little disagreements here or I got to take on this different. And there's got to be. There's got to be. But we'll finish with this. The fact remains that we are in last times. And when people reject truth, they reject Christ. And they have to fill the void with something. None of us reject anything without accepting something else. The void has to be full. Filled. It can't stay there. This is why we shouldn't tell our kids you can't do something without replacing it with something they can do. I never threw out all of my rock and roll. Believe it or not, I had records. I had collections of records. Yeah. And tapes. I had just lines of tapes. And uh, believe it or not, I didn't just get rid of them and then just went into listening to nothing. It was naturally replaced with something else. And that's what our hearts will do. So when we reject truth, we are going to fill it with something. And in like manner, when someone genuinely rejects raunchy music or raunchy movies or raunchy living, or they are naturally going to fill it with something else. Hopefully it's something of truth and of righteousness. You don't want to have a guy give up smoking to replace it with drinking. <laughs> but you get the point. So what do we do? What do we do? We'll finish with this. We've got to preach the word. That's what you do. We can't go apostate. We've got to preach the word. Can't give in to pressure. 
I'm amazed and impressed. I don't know. They're, now they're going to impeach the president. And now the impeachment's not going to work. And they've been trying to do this for three years. He doesn't give up. He doesn't get discouraged. That's impressive. He's 70-some years old. Now, I'm not voting for a, uh, a babysitter, and I'm not voting for a, a pastor, and I'm not voting for an elder of a church. But what I see is all the highways are filled with more trucks. I'm on the road quite a bit, and those trucks are delivering goods. The economy's moving. <laughs> um, for some reason, all the leftists and all the liberals hate them. That's got to be a good sign. <laughs> if the enemy hates him, he's kind of have to be on our side a little bit. We have a vice president who's a professing Christian. That's got to be a good sign. Now, the Republican Party isn't my savior and all that, but how does a guy not give up under all that pressure at 70-some years old? The stress of that. Every day when his eyes wake up, he's just, I don't seem discouraged. He's got to have some type of hand of safety or blessing of God over him. I, I don't know. It just, I don't see how he does it, but he does. He stays on point. He doesn't give in to the pressure, 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 pressure. Which I'll finish with for our kids. That's what heats up as they get older. It's the pressure. 12 and under, it's no problem. They want to please dad. They want to please mom. They're not big enough and strong enough to fight back. But there's going to come a day when they are. And we don't want the pressure from the world to be so much that they can't stand it anymore and they're just like, I don't want anything to do with this. They have to be able to fall in love with the truth so that it doesn't matter the opposition, it doesn't matter what the apostates are doing, it doesn't matter any of that. They just love truth and they want to stay on truth. That's why we got to preach the word. All right, let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the fourth chapter of Second Timothy. Thank you for the command and the charge given to us to preach the Word. Help us to stay on course, not get off track on different side issues that may be important, just, not, just might not be the most important. Help us in our hearts to follow after you, God, not to follow after our own lusts. We do pray for the modern church in general and at large that they would turn their ear to hear truth, Lord. We thank you for your word. Lord, help us to preach it. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.